Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick alongside Matt Ferreira. Matt, another great week of baseball. How are you doing today? It has been an amazing week of baseball. We had some, a ring ceremony in Nashville yesterday as we record on Saturday morning. And just all around, it's been a great week. Yeah, another great week of baseball. And yes, the rings were given out in Nashua. They look beautiful. And the Silver Knights are hoping to recapture those title hopes this season. Little standings update for you here on Saturday morning, June 3rd. We have the New Britain Bees in first place at 6-2. and two. Right behind them are the Worcester Bravehearts at 5-2 and two, and the Vermont Lake Monsters at 6-3. and three. The Suns, Starfires, and Unicorns follow shortly behind them. And Nashua and Brockton holding up the bottom, once again hoping to get their winning ways back. Uh, little updates around college baseball. A lot of teams are fighting on the road to Omaha, and one person that is making an extreme impact is MJ Metz, who crushed three home runs on back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, at-bats to secure a win over UNCW for the Blue Devils. Congratulations to MJ on that performance. And to all of our Futures League players who are on the road to Omaha. We wish you the best of luck. Matt, we got a lot of guys in college baseball right now, but how about Futures League baseball? Who are we looking at as our top performers here to start the season? This week in pitching, Tristan Spalter had two starts and only allowed one run in 11 innings. And David Floyd is leading the league in strikeouts right now with 16 and 12 and a third innings pitched while also sporting a 2-1-9 ERA. On the hitting side, Jay Bant, Saying 500 through seven games while being tied for the lead league in doubles with three. And Johnny Knox, who's hitting 324 in eight games, but boosting a high OBP with six walks and 11 hit by pitches and 51 plate appearances. 11 hit by pitches. That's a lot. That Johnny, is... Knox, is being, Johnny Knox is being targeted. Maybe. And we're also targeting him as our guest on this episode, Johnny Knox. Of the Norwich Unicorns will be our guest this week on Back to the Futures. He talks about Norwich. He talks about his time last season with the 2022 champion Nashua Silver Knights and his time at Nichols. A lot of Nichols guys around the Futures League. For sure. And it's a big culture that he talks about even more in this interview. Yeah, we talk about this a lot in this interview. Nichols obviously has a has plenty of a footprint around this league. A reminder that you can continue to subscribe to our Futures League network. A week pass starts at $10, a month pass at $30, and a full season pass at $99. It's a deal you don't want to miss, and you can get it all at fcblnetwork.com. We'll have our first player and pitcher of the week awards coming up on Monday, so be sure to tune in for that. No, we do not have those yet, so stop asking me. I'm just kidding. Um, But... Yes, Futures League Awards, weekly awards will come Monday morning. Keep it, keep uh, paying attention to our social medias for Player of the Night Awards. A lot of guys doing great things around the league right now. Matt, you got anything else? Oh, I just want to jump right into this interview. And so do I. And so does Johnny Knox. And so do the Norwich Unicorns. Because Johnny Knox is our interview this week. Here is Mr. Knox. We are honored to welcome our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is in his second year here in the Futures League and is back this season with the Norwich Sea Unicorns. It's Johnny Knox. Johnny, how you doing? Doing good, guys. Thank you guys for having me this morning. Of course. And, Johnny, we're going to jump right into it. You've had a good start to the season. You're 11 for 34, hitting 325. You got a double, five RBIs. 
What's it like to get off to such a hot start in Norwich? Um, getting off to a good start, something I've honestly struggled with in the past. Uh, both of my last two years in college, I kind of struggled out of the gate and same with last year in my stints in Norwich and as well as in Nashville. So it feels a lot better getting out to a good start this year. Um, as you guys said, second year in the league. So kind of taking a little bit of a leadership role with, with Norwich this year. And, um, it was definitely a good example to set and just kind of, I don't know, just kind of get going early for the guys. And you talked about a leadership role. You're a veteran voice in that locker room. What's the advice you find yourself giving out the most? Uh, well, early on, I mean, we four and six, I think, through our first 10. So not where we could be. I think um, pretty much everyone on the team could agree. There's definitely some games in there we could have won and we kind of gave away. And it's just kind of reminding ourselves it's a really long season. Like there's going to be growing pains, especially in the early going. So just kind of making sure everybody understands that is really the go-to this early on. And like you said, a little bit of growing pain so far this season. You guys are four and six right now as we're recording on Saturday morning. What do you guys think you need to do to get back above 500? Honestly, I I, I don't really think there's too much. Like it, it, it'll solve itself. We have a pretty good roster. Um, I really think it's all just going to solve itself. Like guys keep coming that are going to be here full year that are getting here late from their conference tournaments or whatever else they've been doing. And, um, you know, when we get to full strength, I think we're going to be a pretty tough team to beat. Yeah. Rosters are far from final in this league and Norwood certainly has guys and big bats and arms that they need to add. And they will add in order to be back above 500 this season. And again, you you mentioned it. You were back in the league for a second year after spending time in Norwich and Nashua last year. Uh, what does it mean to be back and now full full time with Nashua? Or sorry, with Norwich. We'll get to the uh, temp contracts in a minute. I do want to ask you about that. But what does it mean to be back uh, in the Futures League and in Norwich for the uh, for the season? Yeah, I mean Norwich is it's a fantastic spot. The facilities are top notch here, and um, that's I think very attractive for um, for a player just looking for a spot in this league. And, you know, it was it was hard to pass up coming back to Norwich, playing with um, two of my really close buddies from school, Brent Hyde and Ben Jerome, as well as having the pleasure to be coached by Kevin Murphy, who I also played with in college, too. So it was really hard to turn all that down. Yeah, Kevin Murphy was your Nichols teammate in 2022. What is the dynamic with him like as manager, especially with so many Nichols guys on the roster? Uh, the dynamic's awesome. I mean, he... He kind of took a coaching role towards the end of his um his last season at Nichols, and I think that really benefited him last year going into um coaching at Norwich, which I, I was under him last year as well as a player. And um, now this year with him taking the managerial role, I think he's really stepped into it well. He's doing a great job thus far. Um, got there a little late because he was with Quinnipiac and they were winning games, but ever since he's come in, the energy in the clubhouse has been awesome, and you know, the team is really excited to have him around. Yeah. Is that ever weird playing right directly under someone that you, you played with uh, as a, as a player? Uh, definitely. Honestly, no. Like, like I said, like he kind of took that coach's role um, his last year. So that's kind of how he was viewed at Nichols for a lot of the time. Like he was, even when he was playing a lot, he was still like that leader where it was kind of like, he was a little, higher up like you listen to him like he was a coach so it was a pretty easy transition yeah and you mentioned it last year he was the pitching coach so you kind of got a taste of him as a coach last year a little bit during your your stint in Norwich have you seen any changes in the in the way that he's 
uh, talked to you guys and coached you guys from last year as a pitching coach to now as the full-time manager? Um, I think definitely like he, he just got coaching a little more now. Cause I mean, he's got a full year under his belt compared to at that point. It was really his first coaching experience at this level. Um, you know, he, he's always been a great guy to be around and he just continues learning more and more about the coaching side. And, you know, we have full faith in him that he's going to be, he's the right guy at, at the helm for us this year. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I, how much of an impact, I guess, did he have? And if he didn't have an impact, who was the one that kind of recruited you to Norwich this season? Yeah, I mean, he he was obviously the first one to reach out to me. Um, he he got me, helped me get there last year as well. So he's definitely been a big impact for getting me down here in Norwich. And um, as I said before, like turning down the opportunity to continue to play and, and live with two of my Nichols College teammates as well is pretty hard to turn down. So um, really all that together as well as being a little closer to home. You know, my parents love to come up and watch as many games as possible. So that those were all really just big points and – deciding to come here we talked a little bit about your recruitment to norwich we also had your gm lee walter jr on the podcast last season what have you seen from him and what is your relationship with him um you know lee he is a very hard-working guy uh murph told us that from day one and that's definitely held true like you'll see him doing things that most gms aren't doing in this league or really period i, I bet in other leagues you wouldn't see a gm out there dragging the field either but he's He's pretty much all around. He's doing a lot of things. He's very busy. So, um, you know, you see him in short stints because he is so busy. But every time you get to see him, he's always very polite, asking uh, what we need, um, if anybody has any questions, everything. Uh, he'll come in to meet with us here and there as well and kind of tell us some things he's he's got to get off his plate or what the league's telling him to tell us. And everything he says is very um, truthful, and he's very straightforward with all of us. And that's really all you could ask out of a top guy like our GM. Yeah, I got to ask about that because he is he's not been the only one, but is is it weird and unusual seeing a GM do grounds crew? Um, I wouldn't say so, honestly. Like I I do facilities work at Nichols College as well. Like some people just like doing that kind of stuff. I love doing that as well. So, I mean, it's one less guy he's got to hire, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's very protective of his home field for sure. No, definitely. I mean, take care of the home field advantage. Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures, but first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And Johnny, last season, you were a 2022 champion. 
uh, finishing the year with Nashua and appearing in two playoff games. What did it mean to be added to that roster late and making an impact to help them win the title? Yeah, I mean that was that was a pretty fun experience. Um, definitely something I'm I'm very happy I got the opportunity to do. Uh, my coach at college, Kyle Bouchard, kind of helped set that up with Cam Cook over there. Obviously, those two played together at Nichols, so it was just kind of a bridge for me to get an opportunity there. And you know, um, you get there, and there wasn't really much expectation. I don't really think I expected to play too much, and a couple of injuries happened. I got an opportunity and just kind of ran with it, and at the end of the season, you know, we were champions. That was, that was a really cool experience. And now this year it's just kind of chasing that, trying to capture that all over again. Yeah. And as a follow-up, they had their ring ceremony yesterday in Nashua. I know you weren't there, unfortunately, but what was it like seeing the guys get back together and, and have everybody get those rings, which I'm sure you will get at, at one point here this season. Yeah, no, it seemed pretty cool. Um, still talking that group chat pretty much daily, and they were all talking about how how awesome it was being down there. Some of those guys are still playing for Wake Forest, Boston College, and other schools. Um, so not all of them were there, but the guys that were there seemed like they had a really great time. So, you know, really happy for all those guys. As I said, great group. So happy, happy for them. Yeah, and we mentioned the connection between Kevin Murphy, Ben Jerome, and others that play for Norwich, but there's plenty of Nichols guys that have played and do play in Nashua in a very strong culture up there. What does it mean to be able to have that culture around? We'll, we'll start in Nashua, having that culture around in Nashua with Cam Cook at the hem, and you mentioned Bouchard. We'll talk about him a little later, but having those guys in Nashua and being able to grab you guys from Nichols and be able to give you a chance to play more baseball. You know, it's, it's just a really good pipeline. I mean, it, everyone really wants to play at the highest level of baseball they can be with the best competition they can and the futures league is is towards the top of that competition list so being able to have the opportunity to play in this league um in such a competitive league as a pretty small d3 school is really a privilege that a lot of us that do get the opportunity to do it don't take for granted um every time we're here we're we're trying to be the best version of ourselves and represent nichols college the best way we can yeah, obviously Nichols College in Nashua and of course Nichols College in Norwich with with a couple of your teammates and of course now your manager is uh, a Nichols man. So that's great that you guys continue to get to play together even uh, even outside the uh, college walls. Mm -hmm. And before that happened though, you were a temporary contracted player with Norwich. What was it like for the Sea Unicorns to give you that first opportunity? Um, you know, like I said before, Murph kind of helped me out with getting that opportunity as well, having played with me the season, just the season before. So, um, you know, hats off to him. I really appreciate him for getting me that opportunity. And it, it was a, obviously a very fun experience. If it wasn't, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be back here this year. Um, so obviously I had a lot of fun here in Norwich last year with just the, the 10 days I was here for, but I'm excited to be here for a full year this year. So. And I want to ask, because it's something we don't talk about much on this podcast, the, the temporary contract with, you mentioned it, guys are at tournaments, they're playing postseason baseball in college and can't make it for the start of the season. So a lot of, a lot of our teams give players the opportunity to be on temporary contracts and try and prove themselves. What do you believe the biggest benefit of a temporary contract is and how did it benefit you specifically? Um, so for me, I kind of set it as a goal last year to get a temporary contract. Um, because I was coming off 
Tommy John actually from the season before for my freshman season. So I just kind of wanted to get a taste of this league. And that's pretty much what the temp gave me. Uh, it gave me that, that taste of the futures league when I was in Norwich in the beginning. And then I went down to Florida to play the rest of the summer, which is where I planned on going originally. And I just kind of took some of what I learned in the futures league, like really how competitive baseball can be at this level um, down to Florida with me, kind of worked on some things that I found out I wasn't as good as I thought I was at and kind of took it down there, worked on it. And then when I came back up with Nashua, I felt like a completely different and better baseball player. Yeah, that's awesome. You were able to get that work in, in Florida and continue to build yourself uh, to be on Nashua for that final run. And plenty of players right now are on temporary contracts that may be nervous about their their summer. So what is your message to them about kind of being on a temporary contract, you know, potentially not knowing where their summer future lies? Yeah, just just keep your head down, keep playing. I mean, it, it'll all work itself out. Everything's going to happen for a reason. Um, baseball sucks sometimes. Baseball's a hard sport. There's definitely a lot of times I've really just been like, wow, why, why do I play this sport? It's so damn hard. But, I mean, that's that's just kind of where it gets you, and it just makes the positives that come with the sport so much more rewarding. Baseball, for sure, is a humbling sport, but you can also have a lot of fun. And this season, on May 30th, you made a pitching appearance. You went inning and struck out a batter. What led to that decision, and who did you have to convince? So I was actually – I've been, like, kind of – being a uh, two-way and not in and out throughout my college career and always wanted to, like I enjoy pitching a lot like it's just kind of fun to get out there and just I I throw from all different arm slots and just kind of mess around on the mound so um really since day one uh Murph was kind of like yeah we might need you because we're pretty low on arms right now with a lot of guys not coming yet from their seasons uh definitely getting stronger now but in the beginning it was it was brutal we'd have like two or three arms at a game so um, it was always kind of in our back pocket. And that game, I believe the score was like 17-14. So at some point it was just like, yeah, like we're we're out, Johnny. It's it's your ball game. So I got in there in the eighth and threw it over the plate and got lucky. Yeah, you say lucky, but you've also made a college pitching appearance. So is what is the two-way in your future? What's going on, eh? <laughs> uh, I, I want it to be. We'll, we'll see how it goes from here. Well, hey, well, you never know, and we'll we'll call right now. The two, the two way is happening. Johnny Knox, two way player. Back to the <laughs> we'll future. See. We'll see. <laughs> Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Back Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, ZorianBats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. All right, and transitioning to your college career at Nichols, we've talked about them plenty, but I want to hear specifically about your time there. What has your time like been like at Nichols College? Oh my god, I I can't talk enough positive about Nichols College. Um, you know, if there's one place that really shows what D three baseball is all about, what grit is all about, it's it's Nichols College, and I think anybody who's been there, who's 
even been to the field can probably test testify to that. Um, our coach, Coach Mayo, is definitely an embodiment of that as well, as well as our assistant coaches. Um, pretty much the whole team's kind of buying into that gritty underdog mentality that that we've kind of become. And, you know, we've had some really big wins the past couple of years this year, upsetting Endicott and what was their only conference loss. Um, again, almost beat them in the playoffs, and they walked off on us, which was kind of a heartbreaker. But I really think that school has made me into a better person, uh, made me into a better baseball player by far. And we're going to talk about Endicott a little bit later in those few games, but you had a great 2023 season. Uh, you hit 331, started in 34 games. You had four homers, 12, du- 12 doubles, 21 RBIs. What's it mean to come out and have such a good season in 2023? It means a lot. Um, during the off season, obviously a lot of work goes into just really preparing for the spring and uh, we get to the spring and it's finally go time. And sometimes jitters can get to you and kind of put you down. But this year kind of all just went the right way. Um, it's pretty easy hitting with a guy like Brendan Hyde behind me, uh, Jim Marasco, another guy who had a fantastic year and kind of being smushed in between those guys in the lineup definitely made my life a lot easier. Um, you know, some other guys were in and out of lineups, injuries and sickness, but the team kind of as a whole stepped up. And as a whole, we were just there for the entire season, uh, grinding it out. And that kind of kept us going throughout and gave us an opportunity in the end. And you're talking about the season as a whole and how you guys just grinded it out. But like you mentioned earlier, it caught my eye that you were played Endicott three times. And like you said, you beat them once in the heartbreaker in the CCC playoffs. Was there any extra motivation to try and beat them because of their rank? You know, obviously there's there's going to be a little extra extra gear for all the guys when you're playing a team as good as Endica or Salve Regina in our conference as well. Those are kind of two um, ranked teams every single year. So whenever we're playing those guys, obviously there's there's a second gear we kind of get to. And uh, Endica, you know, they're still, they're still dancing right now. We're still – a lot of the guys on our team are pretty friendly with some of the guys on their team. I played with a couple last year in Nashua, so there's definitely a good relationship between the two. But um, – you know, once the game starts, it's it's all seriousness between us two. And, you know, they're a very good team this year. So playing with them and beating them once is definitely something that we're pretty proud of. And you've talked about embracing the underdog role a little bit. How does it feel to beat a team that you came in as an underdog against? I mean, that's that's the American story right there. That's that's what baseball is all about. That's what a lot of a lot of sports are all about. Everyone's rooting for the underdog. And um you know, to pull off. I mean, that, that win was pretty surreal too. just coming through in a walk off, walk off home run there to beat them in, in the ninth at our home place too. It was, it was a pretty surreal game. Yeah. That's electric. And you talk about beating ranked opponents, you know, that's, that's what everybody wants to do in college, not even college baseball, just college sports is you see, you see the number next to their name and you're like, yeah, you're on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, hundred percent. You had another great season, which warranted more postseason awards for yourself, earning all Commonwealth Coast Conference first team honors. What did that mean to you to be able to look at, take a look back at your season and be honored the way you were by the conference? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, ending a season with something like that's awesome. Uh, the end goal is to win championships and something Nichols hasn't hasn't been able to do yet. Um, next year, uh, that's where our head's at. I mean, all the... The personal awards are great, but that's that's kind of the end goal, especially as I said before, you kind of got a taste of it last year in the summers winning it with Nashua. So that's kind of really all I'm chasing right now. 
And you talked about being smashed in the lineup right next to your teammate Brandon Hyde, who you're currently in Norwich with. What did that mean to have both you guys make first team uh, in conference and now play together in Norwich? Yeah, you know, um, Brandon, he's, he's been my pretty much my best friend since uh, first day of college. So it's kind of just been a ride, us two together, um, along with Ben Jerome, Andrew Croto. Those are two other guys in our class. And we've kind of, all four of us have been kind of growing up together through through Nichols. So just playing together and having good seasons together, obviously, is what it's all about. And back to, to your improvements that you made, you were talking about some in Florida. But in 2022, you were third team hitting 286, and this year you made first team. The improvements that you saw from year two to three, and where did that help you to get where you are today? Um, I, th- I think it's a lot of the improvements were really just more mental, just like getting mentally stronger every single day. And, you know, a- as we talked about earlier, baseball stinks sometimes, and it'll, it'll beat you down if, if you let it. So um, just kind of allowing myself to stay confident and, stay positive has really been the key to being more successful. Yeah. And you talk about that, but you mentioned earlier that you had Tommy John surgery uh, before, what was it before 2022 you said? Yeah. Right after, during my freshman season. So, I mean, that, that's gotta be tough, you know, coming in as a freshman and, and then immediately having to get Tommy John surgery and, and such a big surgery in, in baseball. What is your mindset going through that? And how do you feel like you came out on the other side? Uh, obviously it's a, you know, we talked about the mental game a lot. So how ma- mentally, how did you think you came out on the other side? Yeah. So that was really my first time away from baseball, which made it extremely hard. Um, like that's kind of always just been my go-to whenever things are going wrong, just do something baseball workout or something like that. So dealing with an injury like that was definitely very difficult, but as I said before, like it, it just, it just made me stronger in the end, just made me mentally stronger. Cause now like I kind of understand how much of a privilege it is to be able to play baseball every single day, play baseball in such a great league like this um, in the NCAA and just having the ability to do that every day and really having a better gratitude for it is really where I came out after the injury. Yeah. And we've talked to a number of people about those type of injuries on this podcast where you know, it, it's so big. And you said you're away from baseball for so long. And then you come back when you came back the first time you came back, first time you threw a baseball, what was going through your head? Was it ever like, was it ever an issue? Like, Oh, what, what if this happens again? Or if, are you trying not to get in your head that much? So my injury was a little different. Um, it was actually off a collision that I tore my UCL. It wasn't even thrown. It was actually my left arm. Mm-hmm. So um, it was definitely different going through all that than, um, than just a typical Tommy John. I I was out for like a month or two, and then I oh. definitely came back a little earlier than I should have, but um, was back pretty quickly. I was actually swinging with the bionic arm on my left arm. So it was definitely a different process, but I, I mean, it, it happened on a bunt play. So every time we do that in practice, it's always in the back of my mind, like, oh, crap, make a good throw here, please. Like, don't want to have another collision. But um, yeah, I mean, it's – it's going to be there, but it's just kind of staying away from it and still playing confident. That's really the only way you get through it. That's good though, that it was on your non-throwing arm. So you were able to come back quick. <laughs> you said quicker than you should have. Yeah, no, definitely. Are you, br- and are you bringing the bionic arm back for the season? Like, are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. Right. Should I, should I just show up one day with it and see what happens? Crank, crank that thing up and make a couple extra throws <laughs> with your left hand. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, how much pride do you take in playing for a D3 school? 
uh, so much. You know, obviously, I don't think D3 guys get enough credit. Uh, we've already seen some pitchers that are D3 guys so far um, this season that are that are pretty pretty dang good, um, as well as one of my teammates, DJ Perrin. He was LEC Player of the Year, and he's one of the better hitters I've seen in the Futures League so far. And, you know, he's a D3 guy at UMass Dartmouth. Um, Brandon Hyde right along with that list. And, you know, D3 guys I don't think get enough credit. They put in just as much hours with, I mean, a lot less reward. Um, there's some D3 players that could very well be playing Division One baseball, and some guys are. You know, Caleb Spur, who was with the Pittsfield Suns last year, he's with Endicott now. He'll be going to UConn next year. So um, there's definitely a lot of a lot of talent in D3 baseball. And we talk about the talent, but even you mentioned earlier how people in your conference that you're friends with, What's it like to have such a tight-knit community in D3 baseball? I think that's a pretty cool aspect of it. Like, um, last year when I was with Nashua, like, Salve Regina, I guess we kind of view them as our rivals almost. Just, I mean, every team in conference you kind of view as a rival. But um, I I ended up playing with a couple of guys um, on Salve Regina last year in Nashua, and it just kind of you, – you see someone from your own conference in D3 baseball, and it kind of makes you feel more welcome, makes you feel more like you belong – when you're playing in a league with a lot of division one, division two guys. Um, so I feel like it just kind of brings everybody a little closer together. Even as I said, where sometimes you could be rivals, it's just having that common common ground between the two of you that kind of brings you closer together and just kind of feels you more at home. Yeah. And you talk about D three and, and everybody being close. You mentioned that Kyle Bouchard was a big part of you ending up on Nashua last year. Obviously he was our 2020 uh, FCBL championship MVP. Uh, what have you seen from him as a coach and what was it like to have him, you know, assist you in, in getting into this league? Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's one of the better coaches I've ever had. Like he's a great hitting coach. Obviously was a fantastic hitter in college and in the futures league. And um, he's kind of taken that right into coaching uh, last year. He was volunteer or two years ago, he was volunteer. And then this past year he was our head assistant and, um, also infield coach. So I work a lot with him, obviously, and he's done a lot to benefit me. Again, I said, I talked about the mental side of baseball and he's kind of very big on that. Helps me out a lot with that. And I can kind of get to the point where I overthink a lot in baseball and he calls me out on it and makes me um, just kind of simplify everything and be the best player I could be. And we've talked about your time in Norwich, Nashua and in college, but we want to take a little bit further back and Attending Jefferson Township High School in New Jersey, what was your time like there? Um, it was it was interesting. Obviously, uh, COVID kind of hit hit us pretty hard my senior year, so that kind of took away what what a lot of us think could have been our best year baseball wise. So there's definitely a lot of um what ifs when I when I look back on my high school career, especially when it comes to baseball. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I had a great group of friends back at col or back at high school. Sorry back in my hometown, which I don't get to go to too often anymore, but a uh, great group of friends, especially with the baseball guys. Um, great coaching staff, Jason Kalish down there. He's been doing a terrific job. He's I, a couple wins away from his 200th win. Actually, I was talking to him the other day. So he's definitely um, someone who kind of helped me blossom as a player at such a young age. Yeah, that's great that you have that connection. And obviously there are so many what ifs with, with COVID, but you know, you, you, you got out of there and, and now you're on Nichols here. 
And I want to kind of ask about that. How did you end up at Nichols from being, being from New Jersey? That's not exactly the shortest distance in the world. Yeah. So um, pretty simply, actually, I was, I was playing a tournament up at Southern Connecticut state with my, uh, with my club team and coach Mayo saw me up there. He shot me an email. I'm pretty sure on my way back actually from the tournament and asked me to come up for a visit, went up for a visit and I fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the, uh, the coaching staff, the facilities. And here we are a couple of years later. Yeah, and and you here you are at Nichols, a uh, little far again, a little far from New Jersey, but but it made it work. And I want to ask a little bit about your family history here. On your bio on Nichols, it says you know it mentions all your awards and stuff, but it also mentions your family and and your dad who played college baseball at the College of William and Mary. I want to ask what kind of influence he ha- he has had on you and what advice that he's given you as you continue to play in your college career. Yeah, my dad is um, my biggest supporter, my biggest critic. You know, um, he's always by my side. He's the first one to talk to me after most games. I'm always either getting texts during the game that I'll see after or um, a call right after games. So he's he's pretty much – he's kind of made me fall in love with the game um, at such a young age. I was always playing catch with him and stuff like that. He was my coach until I was 13 years old, I believe. So um, just going up through um, – Growing up with my dad through baseball has definitely been a great bonding experience, I think, for the both of us. And now that um, I'm I'm grown up a little bit, um, whenever he comes to games, it's obviously awesome to see him. And I think um, I hope I'm making him proud, just playing as hard as I can every day. Yeah, that's awesome. And one last question here for you, Johnny. What is your favorite all-time baseball memory? Favorite all-time baseball memory. Um, I'm just going to raffle off a few because it's kind of hard to choose from. So when I was 12 years old, won the Cooperstown Dreams Park tournament. Obviously, that was that was kind of the highlight of my youth, I'd say, for baseball. And then um, during the COVID year at high school, my senior year, we actually did like a mini tournament. Um, they called it the, the Last Dance Tournament. And that was a pretty cool experience throughout the entire state. It was just like a round robin. So it was a really cool experience. Got like four games in for my senior years. It was better than nothing, but um, those four games were, were a lot of fun. And then, you know, I'll, I'll just go right back to last year, Kyle Wolf's home run in the, in the championship game to pretty much seal the deal in that. That was surreal experience. And then also at college last year with uh, Jim Marasco's walk-off home run over Endicott. That was pretty cool experience as well. Yeah, those are some awesome memories that you won't forget. And that Wolf home run, I don't think any of us are going to forget anytime soon. That was an electric, electric bomb and an electric series. Johnny, we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck at the rest of the season. And we can't wait to see you on the field and Dodd Stadium and elsewhere around the Futures League. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And this has been Season 7, Episode 2 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.